This took an emotional toll on me and wore down my sense of self. Eventually, the rejection and abandonment I felt bred deep feelings of shame. To feel shame is to feel unloved. I was ashamed of being rejected, of not being chosen, of not feeling special, of not being worthy of my dad's staying. I was ashamed that I was not valuable enough to be his light anymore. Shame can lead you down the path of emotional withdrawal. For years, I tried to connect the dots of my thinking, actions, choices, and behaviors that reeked of shame, while at the same time outwardly looking like something else. What was this something else? On one Sunday, Pastor Peter said, at the root of our perfection is shame, because when perfection drives the car, shame rides shotgun. It broke me. I could finally name it. Perfection had encased my shame, nurtured it, masked it, and manifested it in many ways my whole life. This false sense of perfection became my normal. While outwardly I was the image of success, independence, strength, exuberance, spirituality, and more, the bandages and masks that covered up my shame went into hiding and grew into a monster. This monster formed the foundation of how I looked for and received love. I was never fully known or ever felt fully loved. I knew Jesus loved me, but in the back of my mind, he loved others more. I, it was, I was not really worthy of his love because all I had known so far was love that was conditional and limited, if at all. Over the years, I would see the same sparkle of my dad's love in various father figures, friendships, or in romantic relationships. I desperately wanted to capture it, to hold on to it, and to hope that it would stick long enough for me to feel truly loved. But like sand through my fingers, nothing stuck because my shame continued to drive this cycle of dysfunction. This false self will wear you out, people, and I was tired. So I faced it head on. I had to bring shame to the cross. I had a come to Jesus moment with myself and I asked myself this question, do I want to be well? Is it scary to move towards the true self? Of course, but what really is the alternative? A life aware of bandages and masks and still choosing to be governed by them? No, not anymore. So I gave Jesus access to me, those places of hurt, pain, and confusion that were formed when I was nine years old. I gave him access to my fears, my vulnerabilities, and most importantly, my shame. I had to exchange my fig leaves for a new type of skin, one that came at the cost of his life and one that clothes me in righteousness. I had to exchange my old name that was attached to shame and perfection for a new name as God's beloved, a name that finds my identity in him. Who I am is not what I do, not what I have, and not what people think. Spiritual maturity is putting down the mask and tearing off the bandages. The core hope of the gospel is that you don't need to live this way. And living into my true self is really the gateway to freedom, which then enables me to live into my purpose more fully. Jesus said he came to give us life and that more abundantly. 
So mm. I made a choice mm. to live into mm. who I already mm. am and to fully lean into that which I seek, mm. to give Jesus access and to receive his love. My journey continues. Amen. Uh, hi. My name is Danny. Hey, Carlton. <laughs> so uh, before I read, um, I just want to share two things. Um, when Pastor Peter first asked me to share, I was um, very uncertain about it. Um, one, because I didn't feel like my story was worth telling, but um, he assured me that actually my life experience might resonate with a lot of you, so there's that. And the second reason, because um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a proud person and I want to feel like I'm admired. And so I just hope you'll, you'll pray with me that um, I'm doing this for the right reasons. <clears throat> So, I feel like it's very easy to come to church, sing the songs, listen to the sermons, be inspired, and then go home having not heard anything from God or have it change anything in my life. This is my experience most Sundays for a long time. And I realize now it's because I wear a mask. It's the church-going mask. I can easily compartmentalize my spiritual life with the rest of my life. But this sermon series has been a struggle for me because I'm starting to become more self-aware of my false selves and the mask that I wear. And it's something that I can't stop thinking about because I'm noticing these false selves every day now and the harm that they are doing to my soul. Many Sundays, Pastor Peter will say something like, if you have attained success at an early age, it can be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And every time I heard that, I thought to myself, that sounds like me, but I don't really feel that bad about it. <laughs> In fact, I feel very blessed by my success. <laughs> or my, sec my success is God's will for me. He has a plan for me. But for some reason, during this series, I finally realized, OMG, he's right. He's talking about me. <laughs> um, I play in the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Most of you might already know, but it is one of the most prestigious jobs you can get in the music world. I grew up always being told by my parents that I was going to be a doctor. But when I told them I wanted to be a musician, and they were against it, Inevitably, I wanted it even more. So I worked really, really hard, and eventually I got this job almost right after I graduated from college, which felt like vindication for me. Like, I sure proved my parents wrong, or my success is my own. I worked for this. Who can compare to me? I mean, if I heard someone else saying these things out loud, I would think, what a self-righteous, bad word. <laughs> because 
it's so much easier to notice the flaws in other people than in ourselves. But this mask that I was polishing, this mask of self-righteousness, of self-reliance, of I am what I achieved, it was poisoning my worldview. I was becoming less compassionate, less empathetic. Why can't you just work harder and pull yourself up like me? It was affecting my marriage. My wife and I were fighting more and more and I couldn't understand why because I would think, why can't you just see that my way is the right way? I know my way is right because look at what I've done. Look what I've achieved. I was blind to my own shortcomings because I don't need any self-help. What I've done in the past vindicates everything that I do now. Some of you might already know this, but the CSO musicians are currently three weeks into a strike with no end in sight. So I haven't been and won't be able to rely on a paycheck from week to week. I've always thought my trust in God is so complete because I've never worried about anything. But now, faced with the reality of uncertainty, I realize that I never fully trusted him in the first place. Anyways, it's this bandage of self-righteousness, of telling myself that I am what I'm, I've accomplished, that I've finally been made aware of. It's been so life-transforming that I finally have the self-awareness part of me. Sorry. Um, Pastor Peter has given this analogy of coming to the dinner table with all the other Peters, the Peter that likes to dress up well, the Peter that likes to look spiritual, etc., etc. And the Peters are always there. So even if you ignore them, they don't go away. They just go into hiding. And when they're in hiding, they become even stronger, and it becomes even harder and harder for you to see them. So I'm thankful that God has given me the eyes to finally take a brutally honest look at myself and the bandages that I wear. The power of the gospel is that the only thing that can give us the courage to recognize the bandages, to accept ourselves as who we are, is because, because God accepts us and finally to change. Uh, I'm Amy, and um, this, the fact that I'm sharing is fully the Holy Spirit. Peter uh, sent me a message and asked me my thoughts on the sermon series, and uh, once I started thinking about it, I couldn't uh, stop writing. And I wrestled with sharing because, um, like you, I thought, oh, well, that's going to make me look really good. Um, but this is fully the Holy Spirit. Um, I feel like I've been on the journey to my true self for the last several years. And um, just as I began to uh, approach turning 40 was when I started to become really comfortable with or, or begin to get comfortable with thinking about who I truly am. And, um, and it's really hard because it's so much a part of our society. We say things like, oh, I'm just living my best life. And um, we all say it, and we say it in a joking way, but it's part of um, our culture, in America especially. And um, it uh, allows us to put up this facade of who we are and, and not be um, authentic with those around us and especially with those that we love. 
Um, so I've been on this journey for uh, probably the last five years or so, and um, it means being my true self means walking in who God has uniquely called me to be in, um, in my job and in the other spheres of influence that I have in my life. And being who, um, who he wants me to be for his kingdom is not an f- easy thing at all. It takes constant vigilance and questioning of my motives when I make decisions in my personal life or in my job. It, um, I have to constantly think about why I'm accepting a request to do something or taking on a new initiative at work. It is continual growing in my relationships in honesty and forgiveness and in repentance when I mess up in relationships. In a word, it's totally exhausting. And just when I think that I've shed some of those masks and I'm living in my true self, then there's a new version of an old idol and a new mask that I've already put on. So, I mean, I'll lay it all on the line for everybody. Two masks that I struggle with, and I think it's because there's, there's not really a way to change them. They're about circumstance. So I really love for people to think that I have it all together, that I'm a strong, independent woman who doesn't need anything from anyone. And some of that stems from the fact that for the almost 20 years, I'm the one that's providing for myself emotionally and um, financially as a single woman. Uh, it's, all, it's hard and almost impossible to admit when, uh, when there are times that I am desperately in need of someone to lean on. And the worst part of it is that when I need emotional, physical, or spiritual support from the help of my friends and family and church is when that's the moment when I say, "Uh -uh, I'm going to remain strong. I'm not going to tell anybody that I need help. And that's the foolishness of the false self. That's when it's most important to me to be strong. So then there's this other mask that I put on, and it's because of my job. I'm a teacher on the south side of Chicago, and so another mask that I find myself putting on is this mask of the, um, the moral high ground. And it's a really seductive mask. You don't even know that it's there. And I think people who work in... Um, helping professions like social workers and ministry or counselors or teachers and even medicine have this mask and it's there and you don't even realize it. It's really dangerous because um, it's really dangerous because it sneaks up on my true self when I don't even know it's there. I'm not paying attention. I'm just going about doing my job, my good. And that's, it lets me hide the biases that I still have, the hurtful assumptions that I still make about the community that I work in. And that mask hides it even from me. I don't even notice it because I'm still doing good. 
That mask lets me judge everyone else around me and lets me stroke my ego and ignore my own shortcomings that I bring to my profession every day. So yeah, journeying to your true self and taking off the mask is exhausting. And I can't do it alone. Every time I realize that it's time to peel back another mask, it's the Holy Spirit that prompted me. It's him showing me that it's time. And in the midst of all of the chaos and the fear and the pain that this work takes, there is still incredible peace. I have incredible peace in my complete faith that for as deep as myself, my false self is rooted, God's love and grace is deeper still. When doing the work of removing the false masks in your life, the false self, you will have to let some people go. You will have to disappoint some people and others when you are learning to set your limits. And you will have to be vulnerable. But the more that you work at it, the more your true identity in Christ takes root in not only your mind, but also your heart. So, um, this is something that we have to practice. And um, a handful of years ago, I was blessed to meet some incredible women in a small group. And we are able to be vulnerable with each other. And I need the church to be vulnerable because when I see others being vulnerable, it reminds me that I need to reach out for help and say, hey, I need you guys to pray for me. So a couple weeks ago, Peter um, reminded us that our name is Beloved. And God has really reminded me or shown me that even though I grew up in church, that's something that I forgot. I forgot that at the core, that's who I am. Nobody else. He loves me. I am his beloved. It doesn't matter any of the other things that I do. And that week that Peter talked about us being God's beloved, God reminded me or showed me for the first time that, um, so I grew up in church, something I should have known, and um, it's something that I forget on a regular basis. But my parents chose my name because the name Amy means beloved. And so God showed me a couple weeks ago, I called you that at birth because I gave that name to your parents, and you are my beloved. I know we just clapped again. Can we just, once again, for their courage and willingness to share? so much thank you thank you Danny thank you thank you guys thank you so um, I'm going to call Anthony and uh, Shireen up Anthony Shireen can you guys come on up church I'm gonna have to switch gears a little bit because it's 1120 already and we have a members meeting today 
and I could see all the leadership team members getting really uncomfortable in their chairs. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, I didn't want to shortchange this time and rush folks sharing. I think we need it another different space where the entire Sunday will be geared towards this. Yeah. Because um, our service today as we planned it, uh, wanted to have these guys share, but also Anthony and Shireen. Um, come on up, you guys. Thank you, guys. This is Anthony and Shireen's last Sunday. Yeah. Uh, they've been here about four years or so. Come on up here. Come on up here. And, uh, yeah, when I found out um, that this was going to be the last Sunday, um, the first time I found out, I said, well, we're going to have to uh, take a moment on a Sunday, your last Sunday, to give you guys an opportunity to share a couple words, and also for us as church to send you guys off back to San Diego. Uh, I'll never forget the first or second Sunday these guys came. Um, they approached me and, and they, they did something that I rarely get, which is they came up and they said, where can we serve? How do we get involved? Because there's no way to get to know people without getting involved. And I just remember just sitting there going, I'm sorry, what's happening right now? Like this is unusual at New Community. What is happening? And they said, this is how church is supposed to be. And from almost day one, these guys jumped in and got involved. And there have been folks that have been dreading this Sunday because they've been powerful reminders of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. So I asked them to share a word or two, and I didn't want to rush through this, and to have folks who've been impacted by your ministry come join me on stage. CC, you going to be okay? Okay. And we're going to pray for them and bless them. So, Anthony, Shireen, this is your church family. I give you an opportunity to say a couple things. <laughs> Not particularly. Want me to go Thank you for your grace while I just get a moment. <laughs> My family, thank you so much for these four and a half years in Chicago. Um, just this beautiful building and all of you truly have become family for us. Um, Anthony and I are both originally from the San Diego area, and, it, and we are moving home. Um, and as a good friend of mine said, we're not moving back home, which implies that we're going back to how we were, because we're not. We are forever changed by this community and by what the Lord has done here. And thank you, Peter, for telling that story. Um, but I am certainly not on a pedestal in any way of someone who has done it right. Um, it's not about me. 
All the glory goes to our God. Amen. Who is mighty and active and calling us and pulling us to what he would have us do. And we've served in so many ways, um, honestly, because we had nothing else here. You were all we had. Mm. And then you became everything. Mm. Um, moved here because of my sweet friend, um, well, came here because of my sweet friend, Bethany, who um, was my only friend here mm. in Chicago when I moved here. And she invited me to come to this church. And I'm so glad she did because we walked in these doors and we never thought about ever going anywhere else. Mm. Seeing the sea of faces from all over um, a true multi-ethnic church was something I didn't even know existed before I moved here. Mm. Um, just gotten used to what church looked like in my own hometown. Mm. Um, and one friend turned into many friends um, who have pushed us and challenged us. And as I've been saying my farewells the last couple weeks, the one thing that's continued to be um, a consistent thing from people is, you were there for me. And it doesn't feel like I did all that much. Mm -hmm. I think the same for you too. I don't feel like I did anything crazy. It was just being there for people. Um, I, I, of course I gave of my time to serve, but it was, giving someone a ride home from small group. It was, yeah, I can open up my home to have people come in on a weekly basis and learn about the Lord. Mm. That's not so hard. Um, so in these seemingly simple things, God has moved powerfully to change each of us. And I have seen in such a beautiful way what the body truly looks like when yes. we work together. Um, Peter and our staff here, they often asked me to serve, which I'm going to be real. Sometimes it was a begrudging yes. Like, I don't really know if I have time to do this thing, but I appreciate that because yes, there's a need to serve and we hear that every week. Please serve, please serve. And it's two part. It's because yes, our church needs your help. You have unique gifts that the Lord yes. has blessed you with. Yes. And the church needs you. Yes. And two, by doing that, you will be blessed yes. beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. Because you are meant to do these things in this space with yes. these people. And when you're each doing it, you will see that beauty. You will be serving him with gratitude and with thanks. Living to your full potential of what he's called you to be. Um, a verse that's been really powerful for me um, hmm. If you were here on uh, the New Year's Sunday or whatever, the Testimony Sunday, I shared how I went to a prayer retreat and I didn't want to go, but I had no friends and I figured I had nothing to lose. So <laughs> I went and I met just wonderful people who are still good friends of mine, of course, forever friends. Um, and the, the scripture that we meditated on you will know because you've heard it many times, but please just savor this as I read it to you. It's um, Isaiah 43, and I have it from the message. And just for me, this was coming from a place that was familiar in San Diego, who I was there, and realizing that in coming to a new place that I would never be the same. 
And I was open to that as uncomfortable as it was, as hard as it was. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. And more importantly, be present. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. I'm, it's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I am making a road through the desert, rivers in the wasteland. And truly being here at first, and not here, you guys are great, but being in Chicago was a wasteland for a long time. And God provided a beautiful river to his grace and to his love and to friendship that I've never experienced before. I will carry you in my heart always. I thank you for sending us off today and praying for us as we go into a new beginning. We thank you, church family. We thank you for allowing us to serve you, but more importantly, the relationships that were formed during our willingness to serve were transformative for us in ways we never expected. We were encouraged um, when we moved here by some previous mentors to get involved. Just, just get involved, just step in because that's how you meet people. But you don't realize how the tangible hands and feet of God are used by the people you will meet if you just step through the door and say, I can, I can be used. I don't know what that means. I don't know if I want to be used. Let's be honest sometimes. But you have changed us. And so we thank you. We love you, church family. I'm going to ask those of you that have been a part of Anthony and Shereen's life to come up and join me on stage. And worship team, if you guys could come on up and get ready. These moments when we get rare glimpses of who new community can be and when we are at our best. My hope and my prayer for anybody out there who still feels disconnected or not as involved, that you be encouraged. Not just challenged, but be encouraged. Who we can be. You guys, thank you for all being up here. I'm just going to ask Where's the mic? Can I get the mic real quick? Yeah, I'm just going to ask, uh, hmm, I'm just going to ask Sister Andrina. Can I get the mic, please? Thank you, James. Will you come on up here? Will you? Will you pray? I know you don't want to. That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) Come on. Join us. Here we go. Father, I thank you for Shireen and Anthony. I thank you for their faithfulness. Mm. 
I thank you for the love that you you show through them. I thank you for using them and for their openness to that. I pray, Lord, that I know this is not the last time that you Mm -hmm. will will be using them, Mm -hmm. for they are your vessels. I pray that they continue to hear your voice Mm -hmm. and that you would do through them all that that more than they can imagine or think. Mm-hmm. Lord, keep your, your love and your arms your, around them. Mm. Allow your Holy Spirit to, to guide them. Mm. I, I just, I thank you for them. Go with them. Be their guide. Allow their lives to continue to bring you glory. Yes. The deep things in their hearts, you know. You know the things in their hearts. I thank you. You know the desires of their hearts. And I pray, Father, that as they continue to delight themselves in you, that you would grant them those desires. I thank you, Father. Mm -hmm. I give Mm -hmm. you praise and glory. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, you stand from where you are as we sing this last song.
of men and women who simply said, Father, the answer is yes. Before the question is even asked, the answer is yes. I am available. I am surrendered. I am yours. The work that you are doing in our church, the work that you continue to do in our church, may we be a church in which men and women, children across the board will stand up and say, Father, the answer is yes. Send me where you want me to go. Give me the kingdom assignment. The answer is yes. And as we leave this place to go to our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, our homes, may we go forth with a posture that says, the answer is yes, I am surrendered, I am available, I am yours. The answer is yes, for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your kingdom. The answer is yes. And as you leave this place, church, may you be reminded of the testimonies that you heard today. 
May you be reminded that God's call for you is to live into your true self, hidden with Christ in God. May you find your identity, your significance, your validation, your worth in Him. May you hear His clear voice in your heart, in your soul, and in your mind. May you say yes to what He has for you. May we be the church that will be an alternate city in the city of Chicago. For his sake, for his glory, for his honor. Amen and amen. Have a great rest of the week, church. We'll see you next door in the fellowship hall.